This has to be the biggest tree in the whole entire universe. At least that's what the five-year-old version of me was thinking. The first time I saw the, let's be honest, kind of moderately sized tree behind the new house that we had just moved into in Pueblo West, Colorado. Now, clearly, I had never even heard of Sequoia National Park, much less actually seen one of the California redwood trees with my own eyes. Otherwise, I truly believe that maybe as a five-year-old, my brain might have just exploded, not being able to comprehend what I was looking at. My name's Tommy Cummins. I'm on the student team here at Plum Creek, and actually, I still have never seen those trees with my own eyes as much as I would love to. I'm sure that some of you have seen them. But if not, like me, you're left to imagine for scale, trying to picture what it would be like to stand at the base of this tree looking up that seems to just go on forever, the height of a skyscraper, with a trunk that's so big around at its base that if you hollowed it out, you could drive a semi-truck through it. Just unreal how big these things are. Whether you've seen it in person or if you're just like me trying to imagine what it would be like, we all get that they're supposed to be just massive. So you can understand how perplexed I was the first time I saw a tree that was labeled as a California sequoia redwood that looked a whole lot more like this. Now, I'm sure that many of you are already very familiar with this beautiful Japanese art form called bonsai. I mean, come on, we've seen the Karate Kid, right? Or Cobra Kai, it's there. But believe it or not, this, this is a fully grown tree. It's a redwood. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's, it's beautiful in its own right, but, but these caretakers, these bonsai artists, they go to great lengths to help make sure that this thing stays perfectly proportional but significantly smaller than what it really could or should be. And there's several steps in that process, but one of the most important is that it's kept in incredibly shallow soil so that its roots cannot grow down any deeper. Again, it's beautiful, but this tree is stunted. It's so much less than it could be or probably should be. Again, when we think of these massive, gargantuan California redwoods, they're just like almost hard to comprehend how big they are. And they only ever get to that size over hundreds of years of growth. It's a long, long process, but also because their roots grow down very deep into very rich, fertile soil. But when the roots are kept shallow and not allowed to grow down deep, it never even comes close to reaching its full potential. And friends, I'm afraid that way too often, we end up settling spiritually for a bonsai life when God is offering us redwood living. We're in the middle of this incredible series called Be the Wall, and right out of the bat today, our main thought, our fourth value that we are going to unpack today is that we are people in process. I'd encourage you to write that down, take a picture of it, put it somewhere that's going to remind you of this throughout the week. We are people in process. The kind of tagline for that that helps us to understand what we mean by that is that it's okay not to be okay. God meets us in our mess but he loves us too much to leave us there. 
And when we hear this value, I'm assuming that many of us will experience one of two feelings that are almost seemingly at odds. And it's because this value is wrapped up in the seemingly paradoxical tension between grace and truth. The grace piece of it represented in the fact that it's okay not to be okay. God will very much meet us in our mess. We see all throughout the New Covenant writings just the abundant grace of Jesus on full display. But I think maybe it's most concisely captured in Romans 5, 8, where it says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While we were still sinners, that means that we, we didn't earn it, we couldn't earn it. It was done and given freely for us. That means knowing us at our absolute worst, whether that worst is in our past or maybe it might still be ahead of us. Even knowing that, Jesus still looked at us and said, I still love you. I still want you. You are still my child and you are worth dying for. That's the abundant, amazing grace of Jesus. There's nothing that we could do to ever make him love us any less or any more. That's what this grace is all about. I think straight out of the gate, that's what we need to hear and be reminded of from time to time. The Romans 5.20 says, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. Isn't that great news? This grace was Jesus looking at the woman who was caught in adultery, if you're familiar with this story, brought out right in front of Jesus, caught red-handed in this moment that was probably the worst moment of her life. The moment where she was most overwhelmed with shame. And he looked at her and said, I don't condemn you. That's incredible grace. But the paradoxical nature of this value comes into play because not only did he say, I don't condemn you, but he also said, now go and stop sinning. He pointed her toward a future that was free from her current struggle, a future where she was less broken, a future where her identity was not wrapped up in what she could provide physically to others, but just simply being a child of God. Getting from point A to point B, it's certainly a process. And it's a journey that Paul tells us in Philippians that we're gonna be on the rest of our lives because it will not be complete until we stand face to face with Jesus on the other side of eternity. But if we are people in process, I think the question becomes, what does that process look like? And if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. And in this letter, the Apostle Paul, he's writing to this group of people, this church in Colossae, and he's, he's telling them, hey, I want you to examine your lives, and I want you to allow your lives to be transformed by the love of Jesus as you are examining yourself. He's pointing them to the process part of being a person in process, And in verses six and seven of Colossians two, he says, and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. 
Like I said earlier, I think way too often we end up saying yes to Jesus and we allow ourselves to be planted in him, but then something happens and we don't do what Paul is challenging us to do in this passage and instead we become satisfied with this like shallow and passive version of our faith which ends up causing us to look and live like this when there's so much more in store for us. If we will just continue to surrender more and more to Jesus, if we will continue to let our roots grow down deep into him, Paul gives us this beautiful image of a tree that is just strong and mighty and and hard to knock over once its roots have grown down deep into Jesus. Jeremiah 17, 8 uses that same kind of language, and it says that people who put their complete trust in the Lord, it says they are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green, and they never stop producing fruit. The, the, the language in both of these verses that use kind of the same illustration is very similar because it's, it's this language that denotes continuation, that it's this process that we go through, not this language of finality like it's just a one and done thing. He says, let your roots grow down deep into him, meaning it's an ongoing process. The idea of being built on Jesus kind of makes us realize that we are still under construction no matter how long we've been following him. It's this continual thing that we need to engage with. So wherever we are in that process is okay. It's just not okay to stay there. And I'm not trying to shame anyone. I'm just trying to help us to recognize that God has so much more in store for us than this bonsai kind of life where we like willfully stay shallow in our faith rather than giving more and more of ourselves over to Jesus. This right here, this is where every single one of us starts. When we give ourselves over to Jesus, when we surrender to him, this is what it looks like. It's beautiful, but there's so much more potential in it if we will allow our roots to grow down deep into him, it's okay to be there. It's just not okay to stay there. Because I think it can be tempting to kind of brush off sin and and maybe even justify some of our sin. not, Not the things that we're aware of, but we're actively trying to give over to Jesus. That's okay. To say like, yeah, I, I know that I, I kind of have maybe a little bit of an anger issue, but I'm, I'm daily trying to surrender that to Jesus. And, I, and when I feel it coming up in me, I'm praying and asking him to like help me in those moments. And, and I'm utilizing these tools so that I'm not just steamrolling and just destroying relationships all around me because I, I blow up in those moments. In that instance, that's okay not to be okay. Because again, we're actively trying to surrender those things over to him. But if we're honest with ourselves, what about, what about those little like pet sins that, that we're like, ah, I'm gonna hang on to this one. I'm okay with this one in my life. And we even justify it again, like, hey, I'm a person in process. It's okay for me to just kind of hang on to this one. Like, yeah, okay, maybe I have a short fuse, but everyone in my family does. And besides, if you don't wanna feel my wrath, just don't push my buttons and we'll be fine, right? And we justify these sort of things rather than saying, God, I just, I want, I want you to continue to mold me and to shape me and I wanna let my roots grow down deep into you. 
In that instance, it's not okay to intentionally stay not okay. Paul warns us about that in Romans 6.15. He says, well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. And then he goes on to emphatically tell us, hey, that's not who you are anymore. Anyway, you are no longer a slave to sin. You are no longer bound to do what your sinful nature wants you to do. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus the moment you give yourself over to him. But we also have to go through this process of like shedding the old sinful nature, these clothes, and putting on righteousness. And that's a step-by-step process that we go through throughout our entire lives. But it's not enough just to do our very best to try to turn away from sin. If you're a cyclist or a mountain biker, you might have heard of of this concept called object fixation. And what it means is that on your bike, you will go wherever you're focusing your attention. So if I'm riding down a trail and I see this big rock in the middle of a trail and I just stare at the rock and I'm like, don't hit the rock, don't hit the rock, don't hit the rock. Well, nine times out of 10, what's gonna happen? You're going to hit the rock, right? So instead, what you're supposed to do is pick a line that goes around that object. Don't focus on the object. Focus on the line where you do want to go. If we're trying to grow in our faith by just kind of white knuckle gritting our teeth in those moments of temptation saying, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, that's, that's never going to work. We are not supposed to be transformed from the outside in where we like try to become more righteous so that we can get closer to God. No, the whole idea is that we should be focusing our attention toward Jesus. And in that process, as we just try to spend more and more time with our Savior and focus more and more of ourselves onto him, then all of those other things will take care of themselves. We will start to reflect the righteousness that already exists from the moment that we say yes to Jesus. Really, what happens is we, we say yes and we say, I'm gonna deeply root myself in Jesus by spending time with him, by surrendering more and more of myself over to him. And what's gonna happen is that's gonna leave room in our lives for the Holy Spirit to shape us into people that look more and more like him. And again, wherever we are in that process, it's okay. It's just not okay to stay there. I have two kids, an almost seven-year-old daughter named Lainey and a 17-month-old son named Judah. And when they were both learning how to walk, it was interesting because it was almost the exact same scenario both times. Both times we were in this room filled with people that we loved and everyone just kind of noticed and like was watching them with bated breath as we just noticed like they're, they're about to do it. And both times my kids went, step, it's kind of wobbly, step, step, and then they fell. And both times like the exact same thing happened because the entire room just started booing and hissing at them, and I ran over and stuck my finger in their face, and I'm like, you idiot! I can't believe you can only take two or three steps. Like, that's an embarrassment to our gene pool. Your mom and I are better athletes than that. Like, you've got to do better than this. 
Okay, don't, don't call Child Protective Services on me. I promise that didn't happen, right? No, you better believe my kids went step, step, step fall. And the entire room erupted into cheering and applause and support. And I ran over and scooped them up and gave them a big hug and just said, I'm so proud of you. I think some of you need to hear that no matter how long you've been following after Jesus, God's, as you're trying to learn how to grow and walk in your faith, God's not mad at you when you fall. He's just proud of you for taking the steps. And like a good dad, he wants to scoop you up and set you back on your feet and just say, just keep coming. Just keep walking. Just keep taking steps towards me. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to hold your hand, to stabilize you on this journey. And yeah, you're going to fall every now and then. But just try to take more and more steps in between that, those falls. That's all I'm asking of you. Just keep taking steps out of your struggle. Just keep taking step by step out of the sins, the addictions that you are struggling with. Take steps toward health with in your relationships. Just try to walk out of that pride and that arrogance and that entitlement and that self-centeredness that you struggle with so much. Just take steps out of sin and step by step walk into the righteousness that I am giving you. Just step by step allow yourself to be deeply rooted into me and then in seasons of great drought, you're not going to wither. If you do that in seasons when things are really, really hard, you will still continue to produce fruit because you're not leaning on your own strength. You are rooted in me and I am your source of stability and strength in your life. That is what it looks like to be a person in process. Listen, when my kids were first learning how to walk, it was okay that they were only taking two to three steps in between falls. That's, that's par for the course. That's part of it. But now that my daughter, Lainey, is almost seven years old, if she was still only taking two to three steps in between those falls, that would be an indication that, that there's something off, that there's some underlying issue. We need to get her help because she is not growing. She's not developing the way that she should be. And I think oftentimes for us as followers of Jesus, that underlying issue that is keeping us from developing and growing as we should be it's just a lack of surrender. I heard Pastor Bob say the other day that really the only thing we can do on this journey of trying to follow Jesus is, is to surrender everything that we know about ourselves to everything that we know about Jesus. You can't do any more than that. And so if we're only taking two to three steps in between falls, that, that might be an indication that something's off. And I think maybe one of three things might be happening. First of all, we, we might be intentionally holding on to things that we know we need to surrender. We continue to walk into patterns of sin and destruction that we know have no part of a life of someone who's following after Jesus, and yet we just keep doing it. And we need to surrender those things, give those things over to him, because sometimes we're like, God, why, why are you punishing me right now? And I think sometimes it's like, well, hold on a second. <laughs> This is not a punishment, this is a harvest. Galatians 6, starting at verse 7 says, don't be misled, you cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. If you plant yourself in sin, guess what kind of fruit you're gonna get? 
But those who will live to please the Spirit, letting their roots grow down deep into him, will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. If you don't like what you're reaping, maybe it's time to change what you're sowing in some areas of your life. To surrender those things over to Jesus and say, yeah, I don't, I don't want this in my life anymore. And it might be a painful process to allow those things to be removed, but it will be so worth it on the other side so that he can transform us from the inside out. It's not gonna happen overnight because we always harvest in a different season than we sow. It takes time. It takes those redwoods hundreds of years to grow into what their potential will allow them to grow into. But step by step, if we surrender ourselves more and more to Jesus and allow ourselves to be deeply rooted in him, we will see progress in that journey because of the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. The second thing that might be happening is that there might be some blind spot that's keeping us from being more deeply rooted. Again, we can only surrender everything we know about ourselves to everything we know about Jesus. If we have a blind spot, if we don't know it's there, if we don't know that it's something that we need to surrender to Jesus, we can't surrender it. So I hope you have people in your life that are willing to shoot you straight from time to time. Pastor Gary talked about this last week, that we all were created for connection, which means we need people in our life that will tell us what we need to hear, not just what we want to hear. Someone that's willing to say, I'm, I'm willing to fight for you. Because not only does God love you too much to leave you where you are, but I love you too much to just see you stay exactly where you are. There's more in store for you. In a way that's loving, of course, not in a way that's shaming. And in fact, I think one of the things that we get wrong as the church at large, not just Plum Creek, but across the board, that I think way too often we do exactly what I just joked about a minute ago when my kids were learning how to walk. We see someone stumble in their faith and we heap shame on them. And we point out how terrible they are and we ridicule them in so many words when what we should do is allow God to use us to come in and, and help them get back up and, and just take more steps. And hey, I'm gonna be here to help steady you along this path as we walk towards Jesus together. Because I don't know about you, but I've never heard of anyone's life being transformed by the healing power of shame. Because <laughs> that's not a thing, Right? But I get it. We don't want to just enable someone to stay put right where they are and continue to wallow in their sins and just in these patterns of self-destruction. But believe it or not, there is a way to come into someone's life and to speak truth in love in a way that overwhelms them with grace and support rather than heaping shame on them. And I think the key difference is are we, are we willing to wade into the mess with them to help them? And not just from a distance, keep you at arm's length, because I don't want to be sullied by the sins that you're struggling with, because my sins are easier to hide. So I don't, I don't want to be seen, like I don't want to wade into that with you. But are we willing to say, hey, listen, this is not okay. God has so much more in store for you, and please let me help you in this process. Let's walk together as we journey with Jesus, because I'm going to need you to speak truth into my life as well. 
Well, the third reason we might be struggling to take more than two to three steps in between those falls is just, we just don't know any better because we don't know enough about Jesus. Maybe we've hit a point where we, we just don't know any more about Jesus that we need to surrender to him. Again, on this journey, we're, we're called to surrender everything we know about ourselves to everything we know about Jesus. And so deeply rooting ourselves in him means we're gonna have to spend time with him. It means that we're gonna have to study God's word to get to know him better, to spend time in prayer, to invite other people in this journey and say, hey, can we go grab coffee like once a week or every other week and and just talk about our faith, just help each other to grow. Like we provide discussion questions to try to make it super easy so that you can go deeper into the weekend messages and help one another grow in your faith. Guess what, that's discipleship. We don't have to make it this big, scary thing. It's just spending time with one another with the intention of helping one another grow in our faith. And the more we learn about Jesus, the easier it becomes to want to surrender more and more of ourself and to become deeply rooted in him so that we can grow in our faith because we're all people in process. One of our students who graduated last year was kind enough to share her person and process story. Would you check this out? Growing up, I didn't grow up in a Christian community, family, anything like that. I never knew God. I just thought he was like, not real. I started going down a bad path in high school. Yeah, I started partying and drinking and I never really thought anything of it. I kept it for my parents. It was just something fun. I would use that as like my way to cope with all my problems. I was just completely oblivious. I didn't see an issue with it. I just thought it was a normal thing for high school students to do. I got diagnosed with depression beginning of 2020. I really was just completely alone and I just felt like Everything that I valued just didn't matter to me anymore. My morals just went away. I wouldn't take care of myself. I wouldn't shower for days at a time. My room, I lived in filth. I wasn't doing anything to take care of myself. And the worst thing was I started feeling like really suicidal. I had a plan and everything. Did not want to be here. Didn't see anything going for me. And so I decided I wanted to take my life because I had completely given up. There was nothing going for me. I made a bad decision that night, and next thing you know, I was in the emergency room doing all these tests, figuring it out, and the next morning, I got transferred into a mental health facility. Even though I was in the hospital for so long, I didn't feel like I was where I could be and I felt there was no way for me to get out of how I was feeling. Really started to like hate myself again and just never felt like I could really express how I was feeling and I was always nervous to tell my friends. I didn't wanna scare them. I didn't wanna make them worry about me. I just kept everything internally. Just was so lost. I didn't know what the next step should be. I sat down with some old friends and they kind of were asking me if they could pray for me. And everything that they 
prayed over me about. It was as if they knew every little detail of what happened. And so even though physically they weren't with me the past four years, God was with me. And I think God was speaking through them to me. That was my answer right there. A friend invited me to one of the Plum Creek Youth Services, and it was the first time I had ever really heard about God. I knew that the next step for like finding God was to actually like giving my life to God. And so that same night, my friend and I just like said that prayer. I like decided to give my life to God. just felt so safe and so happy to finally have that undying love no matter what. I started going to the youth services every Sunday night. I really started to feel a community of like people who all love this God. I decided to get baptized. I felt when I came back up from the water that I was like a new person. I'm okay, like I have God by my side now. And Before Christ, I had no plans for my future. I felt like I had no path to go down. I wasn't driven, I wasn't excited to do things. But after I found Christ, I was filling my cup up with God and it made me feel so good. I never thought I would be where I'm at right now. This is kind of like who I've always wanted to become. And I want to go out and tell people about God because God really changed my life. I know what it's like to feel alone and reaching out was the hardest thing for me to do. Come to church, there'll be a night or there'll be a service or a prayer. You'll hear something that really touches your heart. No matter what, you're not alone. Even if you feel like you're in your darkest moment ever, God is still there and God will help you get through it. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Which means whatever it is that you're walking through, whatever it is that you're still holding on to, Whatever that thing is that you know, if it came out into the light, the people around you might never look at you the same. God still is willing to wade into that mess with you. And I sure hope you, you realize and, and believe that we as your church family would love nothing more than to wade into that mess with you because you're not alone. We're created for connection. We need one another on this journey. And this journey starts by surrendering everything that we know about ourselves to everything that we know about Jesus. It's fine, whatever that is, because we are people in process. But then allowing ourselves to be deeply rooted, step by step, day by day, surrendering more and more of ourselves over to him. Some of you might be at this place where you need to just, whatever it is, you need to let go. It's not worth hanging on to. Again, I get it, it's scary, I've been there. But it's so worth it on the other side of that when we surrender it to Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to finally start doing that work in our life that he's wanted to do all along. 
Or maybe like King David, we need to pray, search me, oh God, and show me if there's any wicked way in me because if it's there and I don't see it, I don't want it to be. I want to give those things over to you or invite others to speak that truth into your life and and give them that, that ability to be that voice of accountability to you or do that for someone else. Because I'm so thankful that a few of our students were willing to fight for Olivia and to say, hey, you need to come be part of this thing. We ought to love one another enough to say, I'm not okay with leaving you where you are. Or maybe we're at this point, we just need to get to know our Savior better. And the more we get to know him, the more we spend time as we're praying and seeking his will for our lives and and diving deep into the Bible. If you don't already read the Bible on a regular basis, I would encourage you, check out the YouVersion Bible app. It makes it so incredibly easy right there on your device. Just, just spend time with Jesus. Again, invite someone else to coffee. Let's just talk about these things. Let's go through the discussion questions so that we can help each other to grow on this journey. And wherever we are in that process, it's okay. My daughter's almost seven and she goes a lot more than two to three steps in between falls now, but guess what? She still falls down. And I still scoop her up and give her a big hug and and kiss her boo-boos and just try to, hey, let's just keep going. Let's just keep taking steps. Let's just keep, I'm here for you when you need me. I think we need to have grace for one another in this journey of recognizing that we're all at different points, but we also need to have grace for ourselves and stop heaping shame on ourselves when we fall but just get back up and keep taking steps. Keep allowing ourselves step by step to be deeply rooted in him. And we'll start to see that difference over time. If you've never prayed that prayer before and said yes and surrendered yourself to Jesus, I'd love to give you that opportunity right now. But even if you have said yes and you know there's just something that I'm still holding on to that it's just time for me to let go. It's time for me to surrender that thing over to Jesus so that the Holy Spirit can continue to work in my life. I'm tired of being at this place of a plateau. Let's pray this together and surrender ourselves to Jesus. Will you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your amazing grace that I do not deserve. Jesus, I've tried it my way and it doesn't work. So God, I wanna give you everything I am and allow you to shape me, to mold me, to help me to grow my roots down deep into you and into your word so that day by day, I look more and more like you to the people around me. I'm not willing to settle for this shallow, passive, bonsai life. I wanna step into the redwood living that you have in store for me. So I give you everything. Help me to continue to give you everything day by day. It's your name that we pray, amen.